Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You're tuning in to the online broadcast network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries and your number one source for after-show entertainment. AfterBuzz TV, the destination for TV superfans. Producing after shows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind the scenes exclusives. All thanks to E Entertainment's Maria Menunos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Welcome to After Buzz. This is what we do. I mean, this definitely fits with this. It feels yeah, this doesn't sound like yeah. a tonal juxtaposition at all. No. You no. know, guys, when I think about the first season of Fear the Walking Dead, this is the first the song, song that comes, that comes to, to mind. mind. So yeah. I just feel like it's a great way to open the episode. <laughs> That's how I feel. Hey, guys, what's going on? How's it going? Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Fear the Walking Dead After Show on After Buzz TV. Uh, I'm... I'm really excited to be here, guys. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed this I, first I could, season. I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell. <laughs> and this song just puts me in a great mood. It's, there it's was a point time. in this week's episode, guys, where he had the biggest grin on his face. I, <laughs> we'll get to it. I but. wouldn't call myself happy. I, would, I was like a proud father is how I felt. <laughs> You're like, called it. <laughs> so welcome to the show, guys. This is the Afterbus TV for the Walking Dead After Show. I am Ben Bateman, uh, one of the panelists on the show, joined by my three lovely co-hosts. It's Kristen Carroll. Hey, guys. How are you? Megan Salinas. Hey, everybody. Hope <laughs> you're all not feeling too bad tonight. And we have the lovely Ashley Chapman. Hey, guys. And I have to take this moment to publicly apologize to you, Ben, because I gave you so much flack <laughs> <laughs> this season about Liza. And, um, yeah, we'll get into that. But, yes. No, no this apologies is the, This is necessary. the one and only time a woman will admit she was wrong. <laughs> guys, we're a team. We're a team. You know what? We pick, we pick each other up, so don't yeah. even sweat it. Uh, guys, I really like the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the last episode of the first yes. season. It's a short run. It's only six episodes. Mm-hmm. They'll be returning with 16 more next year. Wow. Um, yeah, which is which is pretty exciting. Amazing. Yeah. And I definitely feel that this first six we got out of Fear the Walking Dead was vastly different than the first six we got out of the original Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. They yeah. think they just kind of knew what they were doing a little bit more. Um, obviously, it's not the same creators, but uh, it wrapped up, and here we are. And we are going to get straight into the episodes. So before we do that, really quickly, I do want to say you guys should check out the iTunes feed for this podcast. It would really help us continue to provide free content if you would give us a rating or a review. We love to do what we do. We have a great time, but obviously it uh, it has to be run by the people that are turning on the cameras and the lights here. So well, And thank you guys who have been yeah. giving us ratings as well. Like um, I, I don't know about you guys, but I definitely read everything. Yes, 100%. All of that, all of YouTube. So it's really great to be interactive, positive or negative. Definitely keep an eye on all of that. So Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I don't know how, like, 
I feel a little obsessive compulsive with my YouTube and iTunes check-ins. <laughs> like I reload, like I reload for comments and views like a good nine or ten times a day on like any video. I'm like, I already read that one. Okay, I already, I already yeah. like that one. I already, you know, uh, yeah. And one. we actually have quite a few. Um, we have quite a few comments on on the YouTube page. Um, we've got 28 uh, ratings, most of them five stars, and we've got nice. let's see how many reviews. We've got 15 reviews That's from the lovely. show of just people commenting. Um, do we want to do a shout out or anything? Yeah, feel free. Okay, yeah. I, I don't have time to read all of these, but um, Cholo Biafra uh, gave us five stars. Thank Chupacabra's you. ex, uh, Brendan sixty four, uh, Pooladen, Pooladen, <laughs> star Thank underscore you, lord, uh, just beachin, uh, Lady Harrison, Zayas mommy, <laughs> Chelsea one eight six, uh, can't stop bebop. Mama Little Seven. Oh, I love Mama Little Seven. Uh, Mama Little Seven comments on a bunch of Agents of Shield stuff. Um, HBK Extreme. Uh, Price is Blue. X Do Not Play. X. Uh, Kid WGM. All of these guys commented. Uh, most of them gave five star ratings. You guys, you guys are the best. Thank you so yes. so much. Thank we love the that. interaction and we love the show. So it's really great to hear from everyone. Yeah, like it's really nice too because so I listen to a lot of podcasts like on all different subjects. But I was thinking the other day about how infrequently, as much as I love them and I listen to them religiously, I actually would take the time to go to the iTunes feed and leave a comment if somebody didn't suggest it. So mm-hmm. I realized that, and then when I look at the people that do comment, I'm like so much more appreciative. Because it's like an extra step you have to take. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's awesome. Anyway, yes. um, that is awesome. And the last thing I was going to say is that The Walking Dead returns next yes. week, actually. Mm-hmm. And there is an AfterBuzz TV panel uh, for that as well. At least same time, same place. So tune in for that as mm-hmm. well. I suggest we get into the episode. Yes. yes. Let's get into yeah. it. So episode six, The Good Man, uh, starts out with the crew packing up. We have we have the knowledge that cobalt means we're all going to die. <laughs> so everybody Basically. starts packing up and loading stuff into a bag. And Travis's tone is a little different. Uh, you know, we're getting out of here. We're doing this thing. They've tortured the young soldier. They have mm-hmm. the information, and they start to get out of dodge. What do you guys mm-hmm. think? I I thought it was very interesting that you know after six episodes and finding out about you know the truth about cobalt, they were like. Yeah, that original plan of go to the desert sounded pretty good. And, uh, yeah, that's what we're gonna do. Yeah, I kind of felt this episode had a lot of, a lot of stuff that we kept predicting was gonna happen. Mm -hmm. Like, not necessarily like specific plot points, but more like tonality shifts in characters, sort of the realizations, like the tipping points for a lot of the characters, the things that we thought were gonna be very, um, very, I guess, sort of like iconic in each character's journey. A lot of those things happened in this one mm-hmm. episode. They saved a lot of it for the last episode. Well, even though I, I tend to think it was a little bit predictable because when we were watching too, we were like, oh, well, this is going to happen if if that happened and, yeah. and whatnot. <laughs> Especially, oh, they did this. Yeah, oh, it happened. <laughs> just the, I mean, we can talk about it. The Andy storyline in general, specifically, and even the fact where we were all kind of talking about it last week, like, does Daniel open the arena or not? And it was a lot of stuff that just. Even though it was just predictable, I still like seeing it. Yeah. yeah. It's still kind of, when I was watching, I was like, oh, I knew that was going to probably happen, but <laughs> all right, well, where do they take it then? You know, who does he shoot? Who does he not shoot? You know, how does that happen with, with the arena, with all the walkers coming to be there? So I just felt like we were all yelling. <laughs> yeah. We had three of us watched together. We were all yelling. It's like, don't let Andy go. Right, exactly. <laughs> He's going to show up with a gun as soon as you're making your escape. And yep. ah, there he is. That part was definitely a little frustrating for me when he shows back up so conveniently. And then he's just like, 
Anyway, we'll get into that a little mm-hmm. later. But uh, the biggest change that happened in this episode was that almost every single character had a moment of, oh, and even it's even said verbatim by Alicia to Chris later in the episode. You can't save everyone. Mm-hmm. And every character, I would say, had that moment of, I'm going to have to just not tell these people and leave them to die. Mm-hmm. And that was not something that was as consistent with the whole cast up until this episode, I felt. Mm-hmm. But as they're packing up and they're leaving the compound and it's they're looking at the neighbors and it's like, you know, it's like, no, like we just need to get out of here. Like we need to save ourselves. <laughs> that was pretty heartless. Yeah, absolutely. But but it's crazy to think that like I think in some ways I would call it a flaw, not a fatal flaw, but a little bit of a flaw that it took six episodes to even really start to give me that payoff with so yeah. many of these characters when it seems so obvious to us, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that that going in season two might even be a little bit of the tone that will be set because even Strand and I can't remember the exact line that he said, but. When they were leaving, he he said something of, you know, in order to save yourself, like you have to leave other people behind or something to that effect. Yeah. So I think that it's it's all sinking in for everyone now that, you know, while it is a fatal flaw in a sense, it's, it's what's necessary for survival. Mm-hmm. And the rules have changed. You know, nobody is safe at this point. I mean, anybody can, can get it and be gone. So, you know, I think going further into season two, that's that's going to be interesting for them to have, as characters, have that settled in them and then now have to sort of continue forward. Well, because mm-hmm. Dr. Eckner says, who's family now? Mm-hmm. And she says, be brutal. And she yeah. starts to actually outline it. She says, she walks through it. Well, if you have the, the wife, the wife's husband, and then the children, and the boyfriend, and the boyfriend's sister, and then the mother, and it's like, who's your real family? Is yeah. it just this one person? And that's kind of what we talked about in an earlier episode, right? Is if you were really thinking about life in terms of just sort of like, at what point do I preserve myself? (laughs) When I hit the mic. At what point do I preserve myself? At what Mm -hmm. point do I preserve the person closest to me? Mm -hmm. Is it my parent? Is it my child? Who are you protecting at a certain Mm -hmm. point? And And that's the the beep. Let me just keep hitting the mic. The (laughs) beep brutal idea is the most, that's the terrifying part Mm -hmm. of this. And that's what this episode had a lot to do with it. And how do you know when to let go of somebody that you really care about too? Because it's within the best interest of yourself and then the rest of the group too. So it's a lot of difficult decisions that you have to make and they're kind of forced into it. So it'll be really interesting to see how they deal with that going Mm -hmm. forward and the new seasons. And yeah, and, and when you're actually staring death in the face, you don't know how you're going to react. You don't know if you're going to run or if you're going to try to be the hero to save the people that you care about. And if you can't save everyone, then yeah, when do you make the tough call of who mm-hmm. do you save? Um, the way you were talking about, or the way you were talking about it, you're like, oh, if you save, if you take this person, you have to take this person, and she's going to want to bring her kids. To me, that sounds a lot like sending out like wedding invitations. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> if I invite this person, I have to invite them, and then, ah, oh, let's, let's just elope. <laughs> <laughs> no, it gets to be like that. Um, I think it's interesting though that we saw Daniel at the beginning where he was strictly just about, you know, his wife and Ophelia. And then he seems to, in this episode, even, now, obviously, if it came down to it, he's always going to pick Ophelia and his yeah. wife. But he did bring along this group with him. And it seems like he's embracing more of of increasing his quote-unquote family at this point. He, noticing that they are able to make the tough choices. I think the fact that Kim Dickens' character, uh, Madison, was able to let him go and do the torture and didn't stop him. And I think that was really something that signified to him, like, okay, this is somebody who I can work with. Right. Mm-hmm. You know. 
Yeah, I and even going back to Strand, like you said, um, there was a there was kind of a shift because he, you know, he's like, I'm leading this operation. This guy was my ride, and now now he's gone. We got to figure out an alternate plan. And then when he ends up getting saved by someone else, you can see it on his face at some point that he realizes he's now joined this group mm-hmm. without ever meaning to. And the whole reason why he got Nick, you know, he got Nick, he obligated him so that Nick owed him something, and now inadvertently without meaning to he now owes these guys something right Mm -hmm. yeah so okay so so uh andy with a soldier who's been mutilated and tortured and is now locked up they've found out where to go but he's trying to bargain with travis to stay alive Mm because he's saying in any way this ends if you bring me with you i'm dead that's my only purpose is to get you where you're going and then you're going to kill me Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. now travis doesn't kill him and as we see later in the episode and as you said is sort of predictably shows back up and causes a problem why do we think Travis did that? Is and and that's right. That's part of the story. Is that he goes the one, and then the flip side of it later when he shows back up, it's supposed to be a big moment well, for him. I think it's the whole idea of of what even the title of the episode is is called the Good Man, and I think that's Travis. He's trying to do the right thing all the time, and knowing that if he does bring him with, you know, he's the only one that's really stopped any of this with Andy, and he he does know like, do I want to be put in that situation? And I think that's another part of it. Does he want to be? Does he want to be in that situation where when the time comes, they get to the compound and Daniel wants to kill him, and if, and the other people don't seem to stop him or may even help. Travis is going to have to be the one, so he'd rather figure, okay, let's get rid of this guy before anybody else knows. And he seems like a good guy, and and he's just going to go away. You know, and I think he kind of figures like balls in this guy's court now. I've let him go. I'm a I'm the good man, right? Right, I'm the now. good guy in the scenario. Yeah, and all season long we've had different people. His his wife, different soldiers. Everyone has referred to him as "You're a good man, Travis." Mm-hmm. Um, and I I love the way um, I love the way it was put. You know, see what doing the right thing gets you. Right, and absolutely right it's you know in his mind this was the right thing to do letting this guy go and it came back and he could have killed all of them and mm-hmm. you know it would have been so easy and he they were very lucky that he didn't yeah well it's it's pretty fascinating right that you take a character like travis who as we've said before he's the sort of the cliche leader in the story like this because mm-hmm. his journey is very important to follow and it's interesting his character has been unwavering almost entirely this whole first season but as the moral framework and the story surrounding him starts to change, him doing the right thing doesn't necessarily mean the right thing anymore, even if he can't see it, mm-hmm. right? Just because by by letting this guy go, which was the sort of the right thing, it's entirely the wrong thing because mm-hmm. the world doesn't work anymore. So this guy might not feel, oh, I've been saved. I need to go off and, and do something good in the world and try to survive. He's thinking, screw it. The world's over. I'm going to find this person and kill him because he tortured me and everyone's dead anyway. Yeah. Cause, and so doing the right thing just gets you in trouble, which is interesting and, and we'll just continue to see more of that, I think. Yeah, I, I guess for me, I kind of took it as this was the beginning of the end of the good man in Travis and especially at the end, you know, when we see that, that flip in him and, and he switches and he kind of uh, succumbs to that more carnal instinct. It really is like a switch being yeah, flipped because immediately he reacted. I think he's yeah. so mad at himself too. That's yeah. that's why I think he mm-hmm. does it so fast. I just, I guess my my biggest issue with him letting him go was I can understand how he could rationalize it was the good thing, but you didn't think that maybe this guy would try and co- you know go and basically tell the other soldiers, and then that would 
somehow negatively negatively impact your family like I just would have thought things through a little bit more and it just seemed a little too impulsive for the decisions that he's made in the past Mm -hmm. like he seems to have always really considered and weighed both sides maybe it was just the rush at the moment that made him sort of make that that impulse move but I just would have considered, okay, if I let this guy go, what if he tries to take one of my kids, you know, I mean, what if he hostage, tries to hostage? Exactly. What if he tries to come out back and attack us? Like, I just, I don't know. For me, it, it seemed like a very impulsive move. Well, let's let's just chat about it for a second, because obviously we keep we keep alluding to something that happens later <laughs> in the episode, and we will get to, obviously, that point in the episode. But as far as Travis's reaction, so when uh, Andy shows back up with the gun, and he just sort of is lurking in the parking garage randomly... And shoots <laughs> like a creeper mm-hmm. in the shoulder, and then Travis runs over and beats him pretty much to death. Yeah. Um, two things came to mind for me. Number one, Travis is very angry at himself, and that that was what I took away from it is that yeah. he's he's angry at Andy, but he doesn't even think about it. It's more like I think he was fifty one forty nine on a decision to leave him alive in the first place, knowing that it was probably going to get him in trouble or could. Mm-hmm. And then I think the fact that it does, and it, and he sees somebody who is truly a good person get shot in front of him mm-hmm. needlessly. It was sort of like getting a parking ticket when you don't need to, and how angry that makes you. It's, yeah. This could have been so easily avoided. I was avoided. coming back to put money in the meter. Why? Yeah. yeah, I feel like it's that meme with Tyra Banks where she's like, "I was rooting for you. We were all <laughs> rooting for you." And he comes back, and I think that's what Travis is thinking: is like, "Okay, he's just going to go out, and I, yeah. I saved you, and you're good." And then he comes back, and it's like, "What the heck? I was rooting for you to be a good person, yeah. and not." Well, I come just, and do I this. just took it as him just finally being. Like everything really sinking in and him just exploding. Because up until this point, you know, he didn't, he wasn't on the violent streak. He wanted to rationalize, he wanted to settle things peacefully. And at this point, it was like, okay, enough is enough, you know, and just rage ensues. And then, you know, again, he trusted this guy. He trusted him. He believed that everything that he said, he he took him at his word and he lied. He betrayed him. So, Mm He's, you know, to experience that over and over again, you know, it's really like, okay, this is how the world is now, so I've got to like, play by the Yeah, and it's it's a betrayal on numerous levels because the soldiers were supposed to protect them and they found out about Cobalt. And then this guy promised, you know, he begged for his life and pro- right. probably promised that, you know, he wouldn't be a problem. And then sure enough, broke that promise. So we actually have a comment on the uh, hashtag ABTV Fear uh, from Anna Lal. Uh, the fact that Andy shot Ophelia really surprised me. And I actually, I, I did, that was a very interesting moment because he has the gun pointed at her dad and he looks over at Ophelia and he looks back at her dad and there's that moment of, this is what's actually going to hurt you. Mm-hmm. And that's when he chooses to shoot Ophelia instead because he's like, no, that's going to hurt him way more than if I actually shoot and kill him. He so also, I think he probably felt like more shamed and played by her yeah. also than, than I'm sure the dad. it was a combination of both. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know about that because, you know, even before the, the torture started happening, you know, her, her dad was very adamant that she's a good person. She didn't know. Yeah. Uh, I lied to her to get you into this position. So he's probably not happy with her, obviously, but, you know, we know who the mastermind is here. Absolutely. So I do want to move on to the next section, but before, before we do that, something came to mind for me and I'm going to see if I can not tangent this too hard because it's <laughs> sort of a, like a longer thought, but, uh, as a creative person, I'm a songwriter, and I've been a songwriter my whole life. And so I've written a lot of pop music, and pop by nature is sort of predictable. So when I write a song, you can go a very easy route, and you can you can stick with a very simple structure, and you can write something that sort of ties a bow on it, if you will, to finish mm-hmm. the song. Or you can try to outsmart yourself, because you think that, that you should be able to do something more interesting. 
But you need to remember your audience, right? If you're mm-hmm. writing for an audience that wants really complicated pop music, then maybe you want to do that. If not, maybe simpler is better. In the case of this show and its writing, what comes to mind for me when I see something like Andy showing back up like that, seemingly out of nowhere, why would he be hiding in this parking garage? Maybe he's waiting for them, but honestly, everything is going to hell outside. Why is he not trying to get out of there? It's just so convenient that he would show up at that moment. Mm -hmm. It reminded me a lot of the finale of last season of Walking Dead when, to prove a point, it's like there's a zombie that sneaks into the compound at the same time that the abusive husband shows up and Rick all of a sudden is vindicated and all of a sudden he gets to kill the the woman the woman abuser and kill the zombie and be like, I was right and it all comes with a bow on it right now. And then Morgan right there. Right. And so for me, it's like that's... In this moment, I sort of felt that, that like, we're an intelligent audience. This doesn't need to be a simple pop song. But as a creator, I think it's difficult to decide, do I want to do something simple like tie a bow on it? Because in theory, when you imagine it, well, and then Andy shows back up mm-hmm. and creates this problem. And that, that triggers Travis to change into the character that we all know he needs to become. And that's the catalyst for it. It's simple. It gets us where we need to go. But as an audience member, I think I'm more intelligent than that. I think we are. I feel kind of cheated by that. Do you think the only reason maybe they did something like that and it just goes to show, like, maybe they didn't want to drive the audience mad about what happens to Andy? So then if he didn't come back and he wasn't beaten to a pulp, are we all going to sit there and and watch for him and they don't want us to be distracted that way? Because if you think about that with Game of Thrones... Everybody, you know, he's supposed. I'm not spoiling anything. If you don't know, Jon Snow is possibly dead. Right. Um, you know, everybody over the summer is now still kind of like, well, we didn't actually see him like officially die, and we're right. seeing him on the set and all this kind of stuff, and it's creating this big hype, which is what that show wants, especially since it's on hiatus. But I think for this show, I don't think they want it to be a distraction from the personal elements of it. So maybe. That's the only thing I would well, think as a creator is like, well, let's give them what they're anticipating. Let's close the book on this Andy thing so we can move on yeah. to go west. Well, and the thing is, if Andy doesn't come back, then Travis was right. And the whole point of this entire season seems to be, you know... <laughs> Prove him wrong. <laughs> do the right thing Screw and you, see Travis. where it gets you. Yeah. yeah, I think the point of it was just they knew that Travis needed to have a semi-arc in this, this episode. And... Obviously, everything that happened with Andy, it had to come full circle for the season finale. So I think that it was just the writer saying, okay, we know we have to get to this point. How can we tie in these two stories so that we care? Because if it was just, you know, some random, you know, soldier, like the soldiers who were beating up on on um, Chris and, and, Chris and um, Alicia, Alicia um, then I don't know how much weight it would have held for us as an audience. Like, would it, would it have really you know hit us hard yeah Yeah. um if it if it wasn't somebody that we had had spent some time with you know yeah i guess my point is the alternative i guess i should have finished the song thought with i don't always know how to write a complicated pop song that everybody likes Mm -hmm. you can try and it pisses people off sometimes because it's trying too hard yeah and often if you try to do something creative and you try to go outside the norm to get really clever your audience will be like, A, I don't get it, or B, you're trying way too hard. True Detective Season 2 is like that in a nutshell. The whole season is trying, <laughs> trying so way too hard, hard to be <laughs> so cool. And at the end, you're just like, this is just weird, and a lot of it doesn't make sense, and it misses me. So I want a simpler story. So, so is that how we feel about 
this particular season of I, Walking Dead? No, I thought this was great. I just that, that one moment just for me was a little simple. But I think we'll keep talking about those themes because obviously the episode is all connected. So let's move to the next where we get to the compound and Daniel has let the zombies out of the stadium. I, I gotta say, I, I mean, I, I get it being that the, the stadium was so close, but by releasing all those zombies, I, I was like, I feel like this creates more problems than it solves. Totally. <laughs> totally. Like, I was like, I was, I was thinking, I was like, your family and the people you're trying to save, one of whom you think is alive and is crippled, are it's inside in the compound. How is this a good idea? How are you well, going to get your wife with the infected foot, or who's maybe healthy yeah. now, out of the compound when it's surrounded by zombies? I mean, I, if, especially if they were trying to go fast. Like, if I think if their idea was to go more fast than they were going at that at, at that point in time, it may have been better. But the fact that they weren't and it it was like sunrising when they were leaving. I mean, yeah. obviously, other stuff is happening while they're in there. But it just didn't quite go according to his well, defense. He's he's not one. Daniel isn't one to think things through. <laughs> sure. He's, he's a very well, much like, this is what has to be done. And no, you can't tell me any other way. So, yeah, yeah well, let's get some ball cutters. And, and to be open. fair, to be fair, if drastic action wasn't taken, they were all going to get bombs dropped on them. And, like, this is the same group of people that essentially condemned everyone who's still alive in Los Angeles to die. Well, and they're so. probably still going to take care of the rest of them that way, whatever military is left. I'm sure that's still right. part of the plan. That's the plan, definitely. And mm-hmm. so I was sort of imagining, like, Daniel, like, in theory, with, like, a gun or bolt cutters or something, like, clipping the bolt. And then running. And then, like, and, like, not getting knocked over by the door. Right. And, mm-hmm. like, and then, like, running top speed to, like, to get away from the zombies and then calming and down. Stopping. And slowing. And like, like, did he have a cigarette in his hand? Did I just no, make that up? Yeah, no, I don't think he did. <laughs> he, didn't, no. he didn't walk. He had a flashlight. a flashlight. Okay, it was he a flashlight. Flash <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he just like that would be really funny. <laughs> there yeah. you go. Yeah. Nice night. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. <laughs> should have had a cigar. That been so it starts to go crazy, right? The, the zombies come out. The, the chaos ensues, and we have two things happening at once, right? It was almost it, rehearsed. It was almost like he was like, "All right, guys, in five, six, seven, eight, and walk." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so inside that's the outtakes. Yeah. yeah right. I would love a zombie musical, guys. I, I'm just going to say that right now. Song, hey, talk zombie to, song and dance number. Talk to Kirkman. Fear the Walking Dead is basically like Walking Dead Los Angeles. Maybe like at Walking Dead the musical, Walking Dead Miami. Like, I would watch that. Yeah, Walking Dead takes Broadway. Yeah. Um, Franchise. So, so you have the gang, Travis and Alicia and Chris. They're all trying to sneak into the compound from one of the side fences with bolt cutters. Um, which I was imagining, like soldiers were, prop would probably be like looking around, like are we getting flanked, and they would just shoot them, but maybe not. Maybe they're just so distracted. There's so many zombies, and then also mm-hmm. um, inside, you have Liza being told by Doctor Exner as she realizes that no one's going to make it. Yeah. Get out of here. Mm-hmm. Save yourself. And these two things are happening simultaneously, right? At the same time, you have Strand and Nick escaping from their cages. So all three of these things of the compound happening at the same time. Let's start with. Let's start with Strand and Nick. Mm-hmm. I, think that's, I like Strand a lot. He's a good I character. Do. I like him. rolled on out of there with style, man. Yeah. Yeah, they weren't running at all. It's just like, you got some swag walking out of there, <laughs> him and Nick. Just kind of, of like, whatever. Yeah. I, I kind of took it, or I read it as confident. Like, just mm-hmm. very confident. 
And I wondered why he has this confidence. It's almost as like he knew this was happening. And obviously, for the throughout the whole episode, we see that he's very prepared, right? And he he knows how to move through this strategically, almost like he's one step ahead of everybody. So yeah, I just was questioning: How does this guy just so calm and collected and confident? Like total, total yeah, sociopath. Even total he sociopath. hangs out with to- Tobias. That's what's going on. <laughs> yeah. They're buddies. Even even when his plan, you know, goes awry and like his ride disappears and you know they get cornered, he still reacts in a very calm, composed manner. Like almost like he's like, oh well, if this is it, then this is it. That's kind of a bummer. Well, I think that he's a sociopath, first of all. Um, not in the sense, like a, like a total sociopath, not like a psychopath. Mm-hmm. But I think he's a sociopath in the sense, the way that he talks about everything, it's all... It's kind of detached, completely. right? Completely. It's all in terms of value, right? Mm-hmm. I will gentrify the shit out of that neighborhood, I think is one of his lines that yeah. he says, right? Um, or earlier when he's talking to the guy about his wife and talking about her body and how she could be sold, essentially. Or later when he says there's no value in letting these people go... You know, we don't gain anything from it. So I think in in his mind, the world's going crazy and there's dead people walking around. In his mind, he's like, okay, these are dead people walking around. So what's the most strategic and efficient way for me to maneuver around this to continue to save myself and, and like, profit from... You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, this is also the same guy that has a boat prepared for, like, eventual infrastructure collapse. Who does that? It's crazy. I love yeah. him. I like the way he dresses too. <laughs> Christopher Walken, blast I, from the past. Probably my favorite shot, um, the entire episode was when right before they escaped and he's just sitting down um with in and like his he's framed right in between the chain link fence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was just such a really great yeah. shot. And shout out shout out to Dallas Jackson in the chat who says Strand equals swag apocalypse master. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. he's like, his new name. He's like sitting there between and he's like straightening his tie. Yeah, he's just swagged thinking, out. You know? I was like thinking to myself, I was like, man, if I was like in a suit and this was happening around me, I was like, would I would I, mean, I continue? You're in a suit now. But I'm saying like, if the apocalypse was happening, yeah. would you continue to wear your suit? <laughs> would I straighten my tie? Would I like would I like get my cufflinks back? Right. I no, don't no, know. No, yeah, you're gonna take time to go get those cufflinks <laughs> and yeah. then keep the watch. Taunt the guy. Yeah, keep <laughs> yeah. So so they're getting out. Um, you know, they, they maneuver through the whole thing. They get trapped in an alleyway. They rendezvous with Travis and with um, Kim Dickens, who... Uh, Madison. Madison, yes, who saves them in the hallway. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Was there a moment where you guys were worried at all? There... Uh- I actually was slightly worried about Nick just because there's that moment when he and Madison lock eyes and he's like, Mom, just go. Yeah. And, um, but the second Liza showed up with her key card, I was like, Oh, okay, they're gonna be fine. Yeah. I knew mm-hmm. that a, a convenient something was gonna come out. I wasn't super, I just thought maybe Strand wouldn't make it. That's the only thing I was a little concerned about. But at, at this point, we don't really care too much about him as a character we don't know too although much, like say. now by the time we get to the end of the episode it's like wow that like i want to know more about yeah. this guy yeah, yeah. He's, he's proven himself to be a very interesting intriguing character that we totally. find and we know about. so little about him but we know just enough to be like what is this guy's guy? story yeah. <laughs> to be like is he trying to fool you guys with ikea yeah. furniture and thinking it's nice or are you guys trying to fool us as an audience with Ikea furniture? Us <laughs> we had the same nice. glasses. When I was watching that, yeah. I go to Megan, I'm like, you drank out of that glass on Friday. It's the exact same hey, one. Ikea is, you know, it's good up for some people. I got no okay. problem with Ikea. Like, it's just so funny because he's like this big, right. expensive oh, yeah. like house. Like beachfront like, property. Ikea. Yeah. Glass. 
totally. love it. Well, I think IKEA also like it, by nature is based on far more expensive products. Like, <laughs> like IKEA is like generally. <laughs> Swag apocalypse. Thank you, thank you guys. In the 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 booth is is giving us hashtag swag apocalypse. Yeah, like like swag apocalypse. Yeah, not an extra A. To speak to your point, IKEA stuff is like actually quite nice, but more more than that, IKEA stuff is based design wise on stuff that is far 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 nicer. So it's actually Mm -hmm. very difficult to tell often if something is actually IKEA or if it's just IKEA ripping off like a fourteen thousand dollar couch and selling it for a thousand dollars. Yeah. So anyway. Strand, awesome. <laughs> He's great. He saves them. So then we have underground. We have Chris and Alicia, who get the car stolen. And there's that moment with the soldier that we mm-hmm. all sort of saw coming at some point. Yeah, we knew there would be that first moment of like, uh oh, she, she's an unprotected female, and this is the world is going to hell, and there's a bunch of dudes. When is this moment going to happen? Where you're like, uh-oh. Stephen. Called, called it, it technically. Yeah. Stephen called. I'm I mean, glad the show. I stopped it. I'm yeah. glad the show didn't actually go that route. Um, and I actually really like what uh, the showrunner for Hannibal, when that show was on, yeah. had to say about that sort of thing. He was like, "Yeah, I don't. It's not handled properly in the media. I'm never going to do that in my show." So I'm really glad that Walking and Fear the Walking Dead decided not to steer in that direction. They but, did enough. I thought. I thought that yeah. was totally enough. But I don't. I don't know what it would have served in that particular setting because it was just Chris and you know Alicia. It'd be one thing if if, if the parents were there. You know, if there were other, I guess, you know, right. more important major characters there to sort of take that in but with it just being the two of them I didn't see that particular storyline really I don't know I mean I just didn't see how that would would play out and have a huge effect on the characters the the problem was is that if they were to go that route it would have been more about Chris's reaction to it which is not the way to handle it we kind of saw that I mean he was you know sticking up for her and stuff and I know we had a couple of comments on YouTube that were saying that oh we want these two together and I know you said you <laughs> like them together and yes, I think, fan, I think that was the mo- another moment that was that, showing that the relationship it's more about their budding romance maybe yeah I don't like that <laughs> I'm not gonna lie I'm I mean, not a fan of the, it I was gonna say the, the moment that you if they were gonna go that route what would have happened is it would they would have hit Chris who would on the ground and then something like it would have gone like one step further and then something would have happened like Strand would have walked in with a gun and just executed all three soldiers or Travis would have walked in and killed everyone and it would have been yeah. this moment of like oh my god so shocking yeah. but they're doing it because this is such an intense scene that's what they would have done and they might do it again later because it's the apocalypse and it only gets worse from here yeah. can we talk about why if she was the getaway driver why was he sitting in the driver's seat <laughs> why true yeah <laughs> all that would have done would mean that they'd have to switch seats when it was time to make their getaway. Makes no sense to me. That was a lot of stuff you kind of have to just suspend your disbelief. You're like, I'm not going to question it. So let's it. let's keep moving because I, I want to try to get to everything before we, uh, before we oh, wrap. Oh yeah, it's getting Obviously. late, guys. Um, <laughs> so after the daring escape inside in which a ton of prisoners are left behind. Some are freed. Mm-hmm. Some are definitely freed. Um, by by Madison and Travis as they're leaving. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it was a very emotional scene. It was okay. Uh, and they rendezvous with Chris and Alicia. Mm-hmm. And then, obviously, we've already talked about Andy and the shot and shooting Ophelia in the shoulder. And Travis beating him pretty much to death. But then, like, his hands being mostly okay in the car, like, not, like, inoperable. Which I think at that point, if he had done that, his hands would be, like, He'd almost be like, inoperable. Well, he I can't drive now. Yeah. I mean, his hands were all bloody, so... Um, 
I don't know. He's been going for runs. Who knows what else <laughs> he's been exercising with? Yeah. Any thoughts on Exner just executing all the prisoners and staying behind before we move on? Um, we, we you know, we did have that moment where um, Liza was trying to get her to come with us. And again, we had another comment from Anna Lal, um, wondering if uh, the reason for that was that she was trying to get somebody who had genuine medical expertise to come with them. Yeah. And on the one hand, it's it's easy to look at what she did and go like that was the wrong thing to do that was a terrible thing but the place is being overrun by zombies and these patients are either going to suffer a horrible death at the hands of those zombies and and or become zombies or she can humanely kill them before that happens and this is one of those things where it's like well what is the right thing to do because she can't like you know, that was another theme this episode is that you can't save everyone. Right. Yeah. And so in her mind, this was this was the best alternative. And it's heart wrenching because, you know, if you're in that situation, what do you do? But I didn't know if I cared too much about Dr. Exner only because her character has seemed very off putting throughout mm-hmm. the entire detached, very detached and off putting, you know. So, I mean, I wasn't rooting for her to go with them and live. I think she did what she felt was the lesser of two evils. These mm-hmm. people were already suffering and in pain. Um, might as well put them out their misery before they're just torn to bits by, you know, walking zombies. So, I mean, her deciding to stay, it just didn't hold as much weight for me because, you know, she she was off-putting for the entire mm-hmm. couple of seasons. Uh, I mean, you, you get into a situation like this, like a really genuinely traumatic, horrible disaster as a doctor, I kind of feel like you have to do that a little bit in order right. to actually do your job. So I can understand where she was coming from. I think early on, you guys remember we had a conversation talking about how now with like zombie media, we'll call it, is so different than six years ago because the the stereotypes and all the all the plot lines they've been just riffed on so hard. I mean, mostly by The Walking Dead, but other yeah. shows as well. So, and I was saying how I think the show has the opportunity to be more intelligent than we've seen in the past because it can take those stereotypes and those expectations and it can twist them just a little bit. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I liked about her character in the end is that she, we didn't actually see her die. I'm assuming she's dead, but. She um, took that gun. Yeah. Yeah, she's holding it. They were heavily inferring that she was going to die. Mm 100%. But from day one, she's very off-putting. She seems like kind of a villain. She sort of seems like she's going to be involved in something pretty bad happening. But aside from taking, uh, aside from taking Nick to the compound, like she actually ends up just being kind of vanilla, which is interesting because you just do meet people in life sometimes that are off-putting. They're not always up to no good. Yeah. She wasn't. She was just, as you said, maybe detached because she's a doctor. Who knows? And it's great because it didn't betray us as an audience. It actually just gave us something interesting to think about. And yeah. she didn't just turn out to be a villain just because she felt like it, the music played that way. I, I just feel like from an audience perspective, I didn't care as much about her because she was off-putting. And maybe that was the point. It's just that there's going to be a lot of people that they interact with who you're not going to have a whole lot of time with. And they were there for a moment, maybe to make a point, maybe to help a character along in their arc. But, you know, it, it just, it was kind of, kind of quick for me, in and out, and I just didn't. You know, it didn't hold too much for me. Certainly, yeah. I think the whole point with her is that she was one of the types of people to say things that other people won't. And, you know, she's, again, because she has to be detached for her job, she's the one that's going to be brutally honest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So they hop in the car. 
They head to the beach. They head to Pepperdine. You thought it was, <laughs> I heard you saying you thought it was Pepperdine. <laughs> at one point when they're looking Shout over the ocean, it looked like um, a little area at the top of Dresher. I was like, that looks really familiar. We're, yeah. we're Pe- Pepperdine alums. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I don't know if Pepperdine's the world, but I definitely, you know, I've, I've driven like down, down the PCH that a view. number of times. Beautiful. Yeah, gorgeous. Uh, so they get to the house. The generator has kicked mm-hmm. in because the electricity's done. And as you guys already alluded to, Strand is sort of in this obligation relationship now with this group. So he's decided to sort of save them. But he also seems like this sort of value-oriented person. So you're wondering, you're sort of wondering why he's giving as mm-hmm. much as he's giving. Yeah. Now they're at the house, I, I kept thinking there was going to be a double cross or some mm-hmm. turn. Yeah. Um, but like we, it's not actually his house. Or something. something like that. Yeah. I just, it just, he's a cannibal or something. <laughs> right. Yeah. Something. I was, yeah, I thought about him selling him out, but they, I don't think there's cannibalism quite yet. We're not quite there yet. So um, they get to the house. And <laughs> I show you the look on your face. Terminus great. hasn't been invented. Yeah. <laughs> We find out a few things once we're at the house. Mm-hmm. We find out that Strand has a boat. We see it through Alicia, right? Alicia, uh, or Abigail, 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 Abigail. Yeah. which is exciting. Oh, and I and I definitely eight. like that they are giving us that. We find out that Liza has been bitten mm-hmm. and she's going to die after she has a touching moment where she tells Chris she loves her. Uh, and we find out, lastly, that. What am I? What am I forgetting? Is that pretty much it? Well, yeah, I mean, oh, that Ophelia well, is going to be okay. She yeah, actually yeah. isn't dead. She's just she's the she's shot in the work. arm. It looked yeah. like it was. It was kind of a, a kind of a weird way to put it, though. Is was she can survive this? Not not she will. Yeah, yeah. and she might not. I mean, they they might they just might be like dangling Explore the first that, yeah. someone that is dying of infection, and you have to let them go. Kind of storyline. And I think it's kind of interesting too when she was telling Daniel everything to do. I was watching. I'm like, wait, they're all together, like. Is she just putting it on him because technically he, you know, she's his responsibility? I was like, that just seems a little weird for her character. Yeah. And then the fact that when she exposes she was bitten, I was like, oh, okay, that's why. That's why she's she's I like mean, this. He is should your know anyways. Now. Yeah. But the fact that she, yeah, that she said that specifically, I was like, that's a little strange because it seems like they're just going to all be together anyways. Yeah. So why can't she help out? But I, I, yeah, I wasn't expecting her to be bitten to be honest with that um and i'm trying i need to like rewatch to see when that happened because i did not catch that it's got to be in the exchange in the, in the kitchen yeah. at the uh or the kitchen or whatever area they were fighting around mm-hmm. in at the compound but a couple things that they came to mind for me because i want to make sure we hit these uh and then definitely want to get to predictions and fav- just favorite moments quickly before mm-hmm. we wrap it up but um so when you think about each character in the main cast, right? We all admitted earlier that Griselda was was probably going to eat it. I don't mm-hmm. think that was a hard prediction early, just because, as you said, she wasn't in the later promos. And her as an elderly woman, like in the situation, who gets her her ankle broken, it just didn't seem like there was a whole lot. No. Then I started to think about once Ophelia got shot in the arm, and I started to try to figure out like, is she alive? Is she dead? And what purpose has she served so far as a character aside from <clears throat> to drive Daniel? Because Daniel seems to be a very important character because he's like sort of the other moral linchpin. He's the other side of Travis, who's like the main, main dude. Him and I guess Madison to some degree, but it seems like they're sort of the heart of it. Mm-hmm. So then I was thinking without her, you don't lose too much. You, she's already been a driving force for a lot of Daniel, so she's actually not as important as I thought she was. And more so than ever, once they showed that Liza was bitten, everything that I predicted early was like, not that, not necessarily how she would die, but it was more like the purpose she would serve long term in, in that relationship, that mm-hmm. group dynamic. Mm-hmm didn't seem like it was going to make a whole lot of sense it was going to be kind of hitting the same buttons over and over again yeah and so i think that actually made a lot of sense to me but were you guys surprised that travis shows up and has to do it 
I was. Um, I mean, again, knowing the the title of the episode being The Good Man, it, it completely and totally makes sense. But I still really liked the idea of, you know, this kind of being Madison's origin story as a villain. And so to me, I thought that would make more sense. And, and I thought that it would have made her a more active participant because so far in a lot of the different things that have been happening, she's been very passive in allowing, you know, these yeah. terrible yeah. things to happen. She allowed Daniel to do the torture. Um, so this would be like her first act and her first step in that direction. Sure. So I, I was a little disappointed that Travis, uh, felt the need to do it. But at the same time, it's like, well, it's the title of the episode. It makes sense. Yeah. Well, and then it's funny because I shared that theory with Madison uh, last week that I, that I'd read about. And so I was kind of looking at it and a couple of people on YouTube had said actually I feel like this is more of Travis's origin story as the villain so now I'm like watching but maybe it's just the couple maybe yeah. they'll um, be like this crazy power couple power villain. Villain. <laughs> like a zombie Bonnie and Clyde yeah I just wonder who's going to end up being Carol that's she's the most interesting yeah. character from, mm-hmm. from a journey perspective in, in the original show and I wonder if somebody's going to have that cool of a well somebody said in the comments or the chat earlier said that Strand was like a mix of Carol and uh, the governor which May or may not play out, but I mean, I personally, I I feel like it was. I didn't like Travis having to to shoot her, but I felt like there would have been a lot of tension between Travis and Madison had Madison shot her, and that would have caused, I think, too much conflict. And you know, it's his ex wife. Mm-hmm. I felt like it was his responsibility, his son's mother. You know, why would you let your fiance do it? Well, right. and also to add to that, yeah, I feel like any of these secrets they're not going to keep. So even if he kept it, that Madison was the one that shot her, Chris is going to end up finding out somehow, and then yeah. he's going to have a lot of disdain for her. Yeah. His it, it puts it stepmom. all on Travis, which I feel like at this point he 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 feels like it should be all on him. And yeah, mm-hmm. and sort of he sort of needs that from a character standpoint. Yeah. So um, aside from essentially. The conversation between Nick and Madison, which is an interesting moment. We can sort of riff on that because I want to get predictions here. But just about how the world is crazy and it's always been crazy for him. Um, I think that was an interesting kind of sweet moment. Yeah, the world is finally catching up to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to – I think it was Anna, um, LOL, that was also tweeting you. But she had a um, question for us, which actually I was thinking about um, at the end of the show was, did any of you guys think something was going to happen in the water at the end? And I definitely felt like we were going to, because it looked like it was red yeah. at certain points. Yeah. So I felt like we were going to see a little bit more that way. And then because of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. last season, with everything <laughs> in the water um, for that, I just was suspecting something with that. Or if we saw maybe something on the boat that was going to trigger us to be like, for because we seem to know more than this group anyways, just because of The Walking Dead. Are we going to know that this boat, maybe if there was a crew on it, did they turn and then they're sure. just going to go to this boat that has yeah. walkers I, on it already? Let's, let's wrap that up in predictions because we are just, just oh, unfortunately no. out of time. No. But so you After Buzz light TV test. predictions. Oh, no so, light show? I know, I know. <laughs> we're going we're, we're, we're to go lightning around on the predictions. <laughs> um, so in case in case you are thinking it's too difficult, on the spot to come up with a prediction, I'm going to say prediction or a favorite moment from the season. Um, lightning, lightning round. Who wants to jump in and start? Uh, I mean, zombies on a plane. That's what's coming up next, right? <laughs> we know that's coming uh, up, yeah. And div- given that, um, you know, we have a boat coming up. It's going to be zombies on a boat. Here's hoping that we get a reenactment from that one Italian zombie movie uh, where a zombie fights a shark. Here's hoping we get The Walking Dead's take on that. Yeah. Is that too much to ask? I hope we don't get that. I hope you're joking. <laughs> I am. Okay, it's not something that belongs not in this legit. show, but it's something that brings me a lot of joy. <laughs> I think Chris is going to struggle a lot with Liza's death, and that's going to be, you know, an interesting um, play for 
the next coming season. Um, I think hopefully Nick will beat his addiction and he'll sort of de- evolve into a more mature, um, useful character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we are going to get on the boat and I think the boat is going to be the sort of like the centerpiece of the next season. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that they will end up taking the boat somewhere awesome and we're going to get to sort of get like get somewhere right. somewhere in the second season Zombies in Cabo. We're going to get we're going to get like a second location maybe yeah I mean it could be like Mexico or something. It could be really cool. I don't know. Catalina. We'll Gilligan's yeah. Island. Catalina is. could be yeah. good. What about you? Uh I think it'll oh I don't have a prediction except that um if it does really well they might have it at Halloween Horror Nights. <laughs> Prediction. <laughs> I don't know. There's just so much going on. I think just getting to the boat's going to be a huge problem for them, and I, I think it'll. I don't think it'll help Ophelia or somebody else to be that to take that journey. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Side note about Halloween Horror Nights this year: the Walking Dead's uh, maze is supposedly the longest one uh, they've done, like the That's longest cool. oh, maze cool. that they've done in Horror Nights history. Mm-hmm. We'll be sure to check it out, as well as be sure to come back next week to oh, check next, out next. The next Sunday is the Walking Dead premiere. Yeah, the eleventh. Yes, yes, yes. oh, um, <laughs> well, we're, we're not there next week, yeah, but we're, we're on the panel otherwise. It. But check out Joyce and uh, Daryl Christian yeah. and the, whoever their special host is. It's going to be Guest super host. awesome, guys. Where can they find you if they want to find you? Uh, you guys can find me at Kristen Carroll thirteen on both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter at the Mangwin. That's T H E M E N G U I N. Thank you to everybody in the hashtag. You guys are great. Yeah. Find me on Instagram, Twitter, Ashley underscore Chapman. Thank you guys in the chat. Shout out to you all for your comments, your questions, and see you guys next season. Have a good one. I'm Ben Bateman. You guys can find me at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will see you guys next week and next season. Bye. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.